I have to say the reason that I pointed out to Bobby at stage four culture cancer, not cancer, obviously that makes a big difference in what the seminar is about. But the preacher over there in Vider, he's new, and I know his family going way back, and he called me a couple of weeks ago and said they were having it and specifically requested that we announce it and all, so I promised him I'd do that, and I wanted to make sure we got it right. But uh, as Bobby said, the info is on the bulletin board back there, and that's going to be presented by Jeff Miller from Apologetics Press. And if any of you are familiar with the work of Apologetics Press, you know this is going to be some, some good material that's presented. He's the son of Dave Miller that's, the, uh, that's over Apologetics Press. So uh, it's going to be dealing with the issues that we face in our contemporary culture, and if you have a chance, I'd encourage you to go and to check that out this coming weekend. But whether you can be there or not, we're glad that you're here this morning. And I hope as we open up the Word of God together today that we can all find something that will be beneficial for us. After hearing and reading about all of the warnings in the media, someone wrote this. Brace yourself. Somewhere they're plotting the scare of the weak. Air is polluted. Water is too. Fish that swim in it are not good for you. Fresh fruits and vegetables. Delicious, you say? Don't eat them. They're loaded with pesticide spray. Avoid dairy products. Say no to red meat. Cholesterol levels must go and retreat. The rays of the sun will certainly fret you, but stay in the house and radon will get you. If you walk in the woods, you can really get sick. Lyme disease is spread by a pinhead-sized tick. If one thing won't get you, another one will. But don't worry. Be happy. Because worry can kill. We're constantly inundated with warnings about external threats like that. Overloaded with information, some of it contradictory even. The best example I can think of is eggs. We've all heard that. Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. You don't want to eat those. They'll raise your cholesterol. Oh, but it turns out maybe there's no link between dietary cholesterol and the one in your blood. Well, you don't want to eat them because they're loaded in saturated fat. Well, maybe saturated fat is actually good for you because it makes you feel satiated. And in fact, that combined with protein is not nearly so bad for you as carbs, so skip that bran muffin and fry up your eggs in bacon grease. It's good, healthy. We just don't know what to believe with all of these things coming in on us, but we're oppressed by all of these threats around us. And that's before we get to ongoing political, economic, social problems, wars and rumors of wars. And that's before we get down to the personal level and our family problems, our emotional problems, our problems at our job, the temptations that we face. You see, the point is, sooner or later, each and every one of us finds ourselves with burdens that seem too heavy for us to bear. Scripture contains three interesting statements about our burdens that I want us to notice this morning. And the first one comes from Galatians chapter 6 and verse 5, where Paul writes, each one will have to bear his own load or bear his own burden, your translation may say. You go back a couple of verses in verse 2 where it says, bear one another's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. That sounds almost contradictory, doesn't it? We'll expand on that in a moment. But the last one comes from the 55th Psalm in verse number 22. We're told, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Here's what Scripture has to say about our burdens. And maybe these three verses say all that needs to be said. So we want to walk through and expand on the thoughts in these three verses just for a few minutes this morning. First of all, Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, tells us each one should bear his own burden. There are burdens that we alone can bear. No one else can do our duty for us. I think of what Peter says, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now listen to how the living Bible paraphrases that because it really gets to the point. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. We have no excuse. There's a job for each one of us to do. There's a place for each one of us to fill. We all have our own particular duty, our own separate, distinctive life that's different from the role that anybody else can play and the job that anyone else can do. And we all have our own burden of personal responsibility before God. No one can believe in Jesus for you. No one can repent of sin for you. No one can be baptized for you. There are some religious groups that teach things like that, but Scripture doesn't give any indication of those things. Each of us has a personal responsibility before God. We will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and when we do that, we're all going to give an account of what we have done or what we failed to do individually. And that means that none of us can just hope to get lost in the crowd, blend in, maybe skate through, slip through unawares. It means that we can't appeal to our association with the the faith of our family. We can't rely on mom and dad or our grandparents. We can't rely on how devout our friends were. We can't appeal to the fact that we were associated with some noble organization. It's our own personal burden. It's summed up well by the great 18th century preacher, Jonathan Edwards. Edwards was like a lot of serious young men in his day. When he was about 18 or 19, he sat down and he wrote out a list of resolutions, goals that he had for his life. And his number one goal above all else was to serve God, to live a life devoted to him. And so he begins his list this way, resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration. Resolved to do whatever I think to be my duty, and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Resolved to do this, whatever difficulties I meet with, how many and how great soever. 
In other words, Edwards resolved to serve God and to do right, no matter what, no matter the cost. And that's the supreme business of each and every human being, every one of us here this morning. Each one of us must carry his own load, must bear his own burden. And the greatest burden we bear is that individual responsibility to serve God. God sees all of us as individuals. He sees our hearts. His eyes are upon us. So whether or not anyone else does right, I must. Whether or not anyone else serves God, I must. Whether or not anyone else is true to him, I must be true to him. The greatest service that we can render to God to ourselves, to our, our church family, to our families, to our communities, to our world, is to live the right kind of life, to set that right example. The most concise, but I think beautifully convicting portrait of the life of Jesus is just five little words in Acts chapter 10. Peter says, he went about doing good. And so should we. That's the responsibility we have. The British Prime Minister, William Gladstone, once said, one example is worth a thousand arguments. That's true, isn't it? Ten righteous men, the example of ten righteous people, would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah from destruction. Twelve ordinary men turned the world upside down, or right side up, if you prefer. The best contribution we can make is to set that right example. That's the burden each one of us personally carries. But then Paul also tells us in verse number two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We all have our own unique individual load to carry, but sometimes. We have to share the burden with others. We have to share the burden of others. Now, it's always important to read Scripture in context because if we don't do that, we might miss the point of what's being said. So notice the immediately preceding verse, verse number 1 of chapter 6. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That burden bearing, bearing others' burdens, is intimately related to how we respond to those who were overtaken in a transgression or in a fault, your translation may say. How do we respond to someone in that situation? Do we criticize them? Do we throw stones at them? Do we talk about them one way to their face and then talk about them another way behind their back? No. No, we're to seek out those who've gone astray and like God, we're to promote reconciliation. We're to strive to restore them, to, to heal that rupture, to go out and try to, 
to recover, to reclaim them, restore them back to that place of fellowship with God and with their brothers and sisters in Christ. But this passage says even more than that. We're to go out and seek to restore those who've gone astray. Yeah, that's a big part of it. But we're also to reach out to people around us and to help them bear their burdens, whatever those burdens may be. There are people carrying all sorts of loads, burdens of of sorrow and grief, burdens of, of pain and trauma, burdens of difficult decisions that they're trying to make. All around us are people with heavy burdens, and we're charged to help them carry those. I think a, a wonderful example of this, and I'm, I'm going to out myself as a, a nerd here if I haven't before, which I probably have, and I'm sure I will again. But if you've ever read, multiple times, if you've ever read or watched J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, we have a beautiful example of bearing others' burdens. The hobbit, Frodo, is commissioned to go and destroy the one ring, the ring of power, in the fires of Mount Doom where it was forged, in the black land of Mordor. And it's a long and difficult and extremely dangerous journey. He and his companion, Sam, almost perish several times along the way. But finally, they're approaching their goal, and they're at their physical and mental and emotional limits. They're there literally on the slopes of the mountain, climbing up it, and Frodo collapses. He's exhausted. He literally cannot take another step. All of Sam's encouragement was futile because Frodo literally didn't have the strength to go on. And Frodo was the ring bearer. You see, this was his burden, his particular load to carry. No one else could carry it for him. You see, the ring had this peculiar power to tempt people, to overwhelm them, and Frodo was chosen specifically for this task. This was his burden. So there was only one thing for Sam to do. Come, Mr. Frodo, he cried. I can't carry it for you but I can carry you. And he put the exhausted Frodo over his shoulder and he carried him up the rest of the way. That's precisely what we're told to do as Christians. We all have our own burdens to bear. And we may not be able to carry those burdens for someone else, but we can carry each other. We can all make sure that no one is left behind, alone, deserted, to carry that burden themselves. There's one final passage we want to note this morning. Best of all, from the 55th Psalm, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Now, if you read through all of the 55th Psalm, this is from verse 22, but if you read back earlier, you'll find that the one who's saying this actually says he wanted to flee. Back in verse 6, I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. 
Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. The burdens were so heavy. The problems were so awful. He said, I just want to get away. I'm out of here. I've had enough. I can't take it. I'm going to go anywhere, run and hide. Does that sound familiar? Any of us ever felt like that? But of course, that doesn't work, does it? You can run away. You can try to hide. But you're going to carry those burdens with you. You're still the same person no matter where you are. You still have your same thoughts, feelings, and memories. Wherever you go, there you are, as the old saying goes. You can't run away from life's burdens. So what can we do? Where can we go? To whom shall we turn? There's only one place. Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. How will God sustain us? He can do that in one of two ways. He can take away that burden. Sometimes he does that. We've all experienced that. Each and every one of us here today at some point has prayed much like Jesus in the garden, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And God's taken it away. He's made it where we didn't have to face whatever it was we were dreading. He's lifted that burden from off of our shoulders. We prayed as we faced it. God heard our prayer and that burden was lifted. But sometimes God doesn't remove the burden. We pray and we pray and yet it remains. What do we do then? How does casting our care upon him help then? Well, then he's promised to come in with divine reinforcements. He will sustain you. He'll help us bear that burden. He'll help us overcome it. He'll help us be victorious no matter how difficult it is. The Apostle Paul had this sort of reinforcement. We've used this example recently, I believe, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He had this thorn in the flesh, and whatever it was, some sort of physical ailment, it was extremely painful. Paul calls it a messenger of Satan, and he actually says in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Wherever Paul went, come what may, no matter how heavy that burden, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. But I want you to notice what he says after that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Never again do we read about Paul praying that that thorn might be taken away. In contrast, he says, I'll boast all the more gladly so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul would rather have that thorn in the flesh plus God's grace than have that thorn removed and have God's grace removed from him. God gave him that strength to help him withstand it. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? If we can't carry the burden ourselves and if no one else can help us carry it, and if we prayed to God and he hasn't removed it, then he's promised that he himself will help us carry that load. Cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will 
sustain you. Don't try to carry them alone. Don't try to fight your battles alone. Trust in God's promises. Turn your burdens over to him. Turn yourself over to him. God will sustain those who place their trust in him. So whatever your burden may be, whether it's a burden of sin or grief or disappointment or resentment or fear or failure, whatever it may be, cast your burden, cast yourself, cast your all upon the Lord. There's no burden so heavy as that burden of living in sin. God will lift that if you'll cast yourself upon his grace and his mercy. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to do it this morning, friend. Place your trust in Jesus Christ. Turn to God in repentance. Be buried in the waters of baptism. Have your sins washed away. Have that tremendous burden lifted. Be added to God's people. Have that promise of eternal life. If you're here this morning and you are a Christian and you haven't done a good job of carrying that burden of personal responsibility, or perhaps you've been trying to go it all alone and not turning things over to the Lord, if you need to make changes in your life this morning, whatever your need may be, it's the Lord's invitation while we stand and while we sing.